listening to Conversations in Atlantic Theory, a podcast dedicated to books and ideas generated from and about the Atlantic world. In collaboration with the Journal of French and Francophone Philosophy, these conversations explore the cultural, political, and philosophical traditions of the Atlantic world, ranging from European critical theory to the Black Atlantic to sites of indigenous resistance and self-articulation as well as the complex geography of thinking between traditions, inside traditions, and from positions of insurgency, critique, and counter-narrative. Today's discussion is with Dr. Iziaku Nwokocha, an assistant professor in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Miami. She is a scholar of Africana religions with expertise in the ethnographic study of Vodou in Haiti and the Haitian diaspora. Her research is grounded in gender and sexuality studies, visual and material culture, and Africana studies. Previously, Dr. Nukocha held a position as a presidential postdoctoral research fellow in the Department of Religion at Princeton University and a visiting fellow at the Center for Culture, Society, and Religion at Princeton. She obtained a PhD with distinction in Africana Studies from the University of Pennsylvania, a master's degree in Africana Studies from the University of Pennsylvania, a master's in Theological Studies from Harvard Divinity School, and a bachelor's degree in Black Studies and Feminist Studies from the University of California, Santa Barbara. She was also a Ford pre-doctoral fellow during her PhD and a Ronald E. McNair Scholar as an undergraduate. In this conversation, we discuss her book, Vodou en Vogue, Fashioning Black Divinities in Haiti and the United States, published by University of North Carolina Press in 2023. This is an ethnographic study of fashion, spirit possession, and gender, sexuality, and contemporary Haitian Vodou, exploring Black religious communities through their innovative ceremonial practices. So we're here today with Dr. Mwokocha. Welcome. We're really happy to have you on. Uh, This is an interesting book, and I enjoyed it, and I'm really glad you're here. (laughs) She's currently in Amsterdam, so thank you for making the time. Um, Daylight savings is interesting when it comes to planning, (laughs) but here we are. (laughs) Here we are. So um, before we get into your project, um, I want to start by asking you the origins. So a sort of invitation to narrate us how you came to it, what sort of concerns, personal, ethical, philosophical, drew to the questions in Vodou of Vogue. Um, so why this project and why now? And also, just while we're talking, is it Vodou? Is it Voodoo? Is it, you know, all these different pronouncements? I wonder if it has something to do with um, you know, the different communities, but yeah, I'm going to let you head and let us. Yeah. Well, let me, let's, let me just start um, backwards, like the, the origins of my book, because I always, always say that that's like the, the coming of Ezyaku. And I really, um, enjoy learning and understanding how black people within Africa and the African diaspora believe. Um, whether it's um, one God or many gods, 
if it's the, the divinities, it's the ancestors or the spirits. Um, if it's through, um, um, just thinking about nature and, uh, material, using materials to, to connect with the divine. I want to be a part of that. So, um, I was always curious about black people, um, and their spirituality ever since I was a young kid. Um, I'm my pack, my background is I'm first generation Nigerian or in the sociological terms, it's, um, second generation, but you know, in layman's terms, people that the first people that are born in the United States, mm-hmm. um, it's first, it's first gen. There's a whole can, canon of us um, <laughs> that are there. And, um, my parents, we are, we are very, very Christian. Um, they're non-denominational, but I always say that's like charismatic Protestant, you know, it's okay. <laughs> um, but my, I, I always remember my dad, we'll go to church and we'll, you know, we'll do a number of prayers and we'll, we'll do, say like a lot of songs. And I used to love going to the, to the, the church and watching back people like go and catch the Holy Ghost and they'll, you know, they'll fall out and they'll sing songs. I'm like, this is beautiful. Like this to see black people just like, um, believe and, and celebrate. And then when I went, we went home and then we'll, when it, sometimes it'll be for Thanksgiving, there'll be times where, he prays and then all of a sudden he'll go to like call on the ancestors, call on the people that he's lost. And then he'll pour libations and he'll speak in Igbo. And, 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 and that's our, I'm, I'm Igbo also, by the way. And he'll always pour alcohol and then call, call, call on all the um, deities as well. And I was like, um, that's not Jesus Christ. What is this? What is this? And so when I ask about the, what's happening and, and, you know, we'll have, there's like a number of Nigerian celebrations and then and there are people who have masquerades and I'll, we'll ask more questions and he'll say, you know, that's just tradition. That's just what we do back, back in the old days. And I'm like, no, you have to take the time to explain what we're doing. So I was just a curious child. Um, uh, and then it became, it's something that became more while I was an undergrad at uh, university of California, Santa Barbara. So in, as an undergrad, um, I don't know if you had this, uh, Fatima, um, back in the, uh, when you were coming, coming of age. Um, but for, for me, um, Gina Yashire talked about, um, and she did this comedy and so did Yvonne Orji. She talked about how it's like to be uh, Nigerian. And when Nigerians come of age, they're either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or a failure. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in, as an undergrad, I came in as a pharmacist. Cause I was going to be a pharmacist, just, you know, the sciences. I took one chemistry class, Fatima, and I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. But when I took a class on African, African American, it was called African diasporic religions. And this was my, by my junior year, Fatima, all the lights went off in my head and I was like, this is it. And in this class, um, I learned about all kinds of black religious traditions, like black religious traditions, black religious traditions that were in Africa, um, from West, West and Central Africa, like especially Nigeria and Ghana. Um, and then, and also Benin. And then we went to, uh, the diaspora where we learned about like, uh, Cuban Santeria, uh, Brazilian Condomble. And then it came to Haitian Vodou. And I'm saying the word Vodou versus Voodoo. To be be um, deliberate about the ways that um, Vodou is from Haiti, and then Voodoo is there's two prongs about this. Voodoo is is, is part of New Orleans, and is, it's part of the vestiges of Vodou. 
But just to see the difference of the the religious tradition and also to to differentiate the way that voodoo voodoo v o o d o o has been used to uh, demonize Haitian Haitian voodoo, mm-hmm. but then also now as a way that that people that are practicing voodoo in New Orleans, like voodoo, voodoo, and conjure, they're still claim using that that word to to claim, to claim that religious tradition. So when you hear people say voodoo, I always ask like which 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 tradition um, uh, is this for Haiti? Is this for New Orleans? Because there's a there's another way there's a way of saying the the the, the language. So mm-hmm. you're gonna hear me say voodoo. V O D O U, but in this time, I you you had to imagine this is my first time actually hearing what it's like beyond Christianity, beyond Islam, about how Black people believe, believe that are that are more than just these these other world religious traditions. And when I'm saying that Haitian Vodou and as well as African diaspora religions like Brazilian Candomblé and Cuban Santeria are part of the world world religious traditions. I'm saying that these these religious traditions have such a beautiful cosmology that's practiced by millions of people that people travel all over the world to go to these sites like um, um, Haiti, like Brazil, um, like Cuba, to uh, get either initiated, to uh, connect with the divine, and go to the what they call the source of this... Um, New world religious religious tradition that is African African derived uh, relig- religions um, and Af- and also African inspired um, and so it's important to know that during this time when I was learning about Brazil Brazilian Candomblé and Cuban and Cuban Santeria I was like okay this is great but when it came to Haiti I got so excited and the reason why I got excited was because just imagine Haiti is a Haiti is a is a space, and I'm taking back to, um, just like just the orientations of ha- Haiti. I, I'm sure you know this, but you know there's a number of people there that during slavery, um, there's um enslaved Haitians were were mm-hmm. consisted of a number of West West and Central Africans, um that made up that made up Haiti, and of course the Taino and Arawak Indians that were origin- originated people in in Haiti or Haiti. And um, d- before, during the time of the Haitian Revolution and prior to the Haitian Revolution, when it's enslaved Africans uh, were, were like, we are no longer going to be enslaved, um, they called on their Western and Central uh, uh, divinities uh, to help them uh, uh, overturn their, uh, the white, their white oppressors. So when you think about the origins of Haitian religion and Haitian Vodou, it has... Uh, uh, not only a revolutionary understanding, but a protect, like there's a protection and, and a, and a, an ethos of saying that, that people that, that are part of Haiti, that are, that are thinking, that are understanding Haitian Vodou, not only does it have an, Af- an African derived influence, but it's also a, a religion that says we are, we are for people and about people and, and about the people that are, um, that are not only like oppressed, but then also thinking about uh, people that, that, that were human beings. So it's important to know that these are the origins of the religious tradition. Um, and the, when they were talking about the, the people that are made up of, of Haitian Vodou, what I really enjoyed was that the fact that 
there are different nations that, that had to come together to figure out a new language, a meta language to, to say, here's how we're going to talk about our ancestors, think about nature and love and healing uh, in the midst of all this tor- turmoil. So um, also I found out that there are Igbo people in Haitian Vodou. Mm-hmm. Uh, so imagine me learning about, I couldn't get that information from my own parents mm-hmm. because, you know, they didn't want to talk about traditional Igbo indigenous religion. And so when it came to Haiti, I was like, well, the Igbos are here. And there was uh, a number of, pe- a number of people talking about that. There's uh, an Igbo pantheons. There, there's the way you treat Igbo uh, people or the Igbo gods. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? So it started off like that. And then um, one of my mentors, uh, my four mentors uh, that I was an undergrad, she, at the class, she said that she was going to Haiti. And if there was anyone else that wanted to be, to come with her to Haiti, let her know. Well, by that time, I was a McNair scholar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you heard of a, a Ronald E. McNair scholars. That These are um, mm-hmm. scholars that are, that, um, it's a scholarship that supports um, first generation people of color, low income people to help them go to grad school. And so um, I didn't care how much money I had and what I was going to do. <laughs> I was going to figure out a way to get to Haiti. And for me, Haiti was my second country that second um, country that I, I, I went to that was outside Nigeria. Mm. Um, and so imagine me going to Haiti for the first time when I landed in Haiti. And this is in the summer of 2009. Um, I also um, presented at a uh, conference for the first time as well, an international conference. When I looked around, I was like, oh, this feels very African. And I felt like (laughs) I saw my cousins, my my aunts and uncles. Like, imagine going there. You're like, I've seen you before. Um, and yeah. so again, I just want to, I, I bring up this, this background to talk about that for me, this learning about Haiti and learning about this religious tradition didn't just stem from, um, you know, just from grad school, but this, there was some, there was a building, there were some building blocks that had built up until this time mm-hmm. that helped me think about like why I was so passionate about belief, why I was so under, I wanted to understand about how people imagine the divine. And then also thinking about how people do religion. And that it's more than just um, a thought, but it's action. It's it's a way of serving the uh, the divine. It's a way of it's a way of connecting yourself to something that's beyond you. It's a way of connecting yourself to the spirits and and and, and to the community. And so this is something that I was very mindful of, and that again I get to see some of the continuities of of um, West and Central Africa African indigenous religions that have moved and transformed into the Americas. So I was very concerned. I was very concerned about that. And so you asked this beautiful question about the ethics of, of how I got, in, got involved. And I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear when I say this, that um, I have been studying Haitian Vodou for over a decade. And it's pretty cool to say that because mm-hmm. I remember when I was, again, I brought this undergrad story to start, to start this off, but I, I have taken the time to try to, to learn the language um, to learn Haitian Creole. Um, and again, when we talk about language, like people are, there's Haitians that speak French and Haitian Creole, but everyone speaks Haitian Creole. So it was important for me to talk to, to, to think about the language and how everyone speaks. So I was very concerned about like making sure I can learn um, Haitian Creole. 
it was also important for me to think about the way, and this is coming from Black feminist ethnic, uh, um, praxis and, uh, and approach, which is understanding how my self, my whole self will influence the space that I move into. And what do I mean by that? I mean that by me being brown skinned with, with locks and a thick bodied, able bodied, being cisgender, um, femme, um, and, um, again, people don't read me as queer, depending on who you talk to, but, um, but being, but being femme, um, this all played a role of how people were viewing me and seeing me and no, and I had to recognize that this is how people, how I was able to move into different spaces and voted communities. And that there was a, and I got to see how there's a gendered, um, understanding and praxis of the ways I was able to enter these spaces. And what I mean by that is that as a, as a woman, there was, there was barely, barely any times where I could, I was able to be idle and sit down, Mm. um, and when I was like chilling, chilling, they were like, exactly, what, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, come help us like fix this dress. Come help us do, um, fix, fix up the, some food and, um, help it, help me with this. Help me with all talk about the, the religious labor. And I was like, oh, that yes. sounds quite frank. It just sounds like an African home. Well, if you sit down, they're just like, "Do you not see the dust in the corner?" Like, there's Do you something. Not see the dust in the corner. <laughs> Clean it up. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, okay." So, and I, this is what I want to make sure that there was something unique about my experience, my unique uh, understanding as a participant observer, and I had to catch it. So, the the ethical involvement that I had to do was making sure that I was cle- again clear about making sure I was understanding the language. Knowing that again, that there's a black feminist et, et, uh, approach about like myself being in the space, but and then also saying to understanding that I care about the voices and the narrative of, of members of that are African diaspora that are from the African diaspora. So that means if you're first gen Haitian, Haitian immigrant, um, you're from the Caribbean, black American, I care about your voices because. When I was able to capture the voices and understand who, how people were thinking, I was able to get the nuances of how people were moving, the, the, what, some things that they were said and then not said, and understand that the, the, the sounds, the, the guttural and then the eye roll, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, the kissing on the teeth that I just did, <laughs> that this is all part of theory, that this is a way of, of understanding how people were seeing the world, not just about what they say, you know? So, yeah. So again, I think that there's an ethical thing. There's there's a, there's a why to this project, and when I was thinking for my larger project of, of, of thinking about the book, I've been to over. It's it's worth us knowing that um, I've been to over 300 ceremonies. Um, these are public and private ceremonies. So again, saying over you've been up somewhere for over a decade, uh, been doing this research for over a decade. Um, the book that I wrote is specifically talking about um, Mambo Mode, who is a Haitian Vodou practitioner. But I always say that uh, I am not a scholar of Mambo Mode, but I'm a scholar of Haitian Vodou. And it's important to know that I've been to a number of places that where Haitian people have been to and have practiced Vodou. So that's why you saw that I put down Miami, um, or, of course, Boston and Jacquemel, Haiti and Port-au-Prince, Haiti, Brooklyn, Queens, Montreal. Northern California. I'm hoping to go to see some things in Southern California if I have if I have a chance to. Um, 
And maybe this, this is this, this is just to name a few. And so I've been to a number of, of ceremonies that I can see different pr- practices and, and the ways that people are thinking about Vodou and then the creative influences that individual people placed uh, on uh, and the uniqueness that people place from themselves onto Vodou. And when it came to Mambo Mode's home, Fatima, I want you to think about this. And I want you to think about like, if you have this experience where your mother told you to dress up nice. So I consider myself a blippy, a black hippie. Um, so me and clothing are really not friends. And I always remember my mom going, Ezeku, please, please, uh, don't look like a bum. You, you went to Harvard. Okay. You are, you are, you are, you are at Princeton. You're at Penn. Please do not embarrass me. <laughs> and I remember she always used to say that I'm like, mom, like it's like, mm-hmm. I'm just doing me. And, she, and she'll say something like, if Oprah comes to see you today, what will you be wearing? And I'm like, look, mom, I just, I'm so, so, like, I, our parents, right? They were all in the same group chat. Like they were like, make sure the kids go to the, to pharmacy school, medical school, a lot. And and then the, our mothers too. They were just like, listen, make sure they're dressed. My mom is f- like, she is in a whole different continent, and she'll be like, so what? What are you wearing today? You're- what are you wearing today? <laughs> so she's like, do not look like a bum and embarrass me. I feel like they all took the same book. By the time they mm-hmm. said they wanted to be a parent, they, mm-hmm. there was a booklet that oh, they all have, and, and they, they had to read the same group chat. I'm telling you, watch, <laughs> watch you make more fun. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I said a book, you say group chat. They're, they're, it's, it's both. It's both. Because, you know, now it's of age. So, you know, it's, not, it's no more a book. Mm-hmm. It's digitized. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so when I, when I watched how Mumble Mode would, would, would wear her clothes and change into a different, more elaborate outfit, and understanding that the divine spoke to her because not only is she um, a Vodou practitioner, someone that practices practices Vodou and and is initiated uh, and it has her own spe- uh, specific home, but she's also um, she's also a fashion designer as well as a mental health clinician. So she's had dreams where the gods told her to dress up well and basically said, "You're looking like a bum." Don't embarrass us. Make sure you dress well. So in my larger art argument and the, this beautiful, when I think about this beautiful project, it's, it's really thinking about how the gods inspire and how people are using their uniqueness and their individual, individual creative expressions to, to help ex, um, expand um, our understandings of, of a black religious traditions like Vodou and have the community join in and 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 uh, expand our our thoughts about Vodou practices in ways that illuminate multiple like various things about beauty, glamour, um, labor, gender sex, gender sexuality. And so that was my my broader project. But Mama Mode's home was so beautiful because I remember like how when she was walking down the stairs and wearing her her new dress for any type of spirit. She would just look like I don't know if you've watched Nigerian spaces when they walk. We just we just have this high like, mm, <laughs> when we think you're better than everyone. And I I caught that look from her, and I was like, she mighty Nigerian. This is this is so African. Yeah. Um. And mm-hmm. so that was part of like the stand to see to see Mama Mode to see myself to see this this um, African African inspired influence, but then that's also Haiti Haiti inspired now. Um. And 
to see how this religious tradition is moving and shaping and and also thinking about how Vodou is very contemporary. Sometimes when people talk about Vodou, they talk about the 1960s and the 1800s and they think about this past tradition. And my work is to think about how how modern Vodou is and how people are 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 expanding their their understanding and always adding something new to the religion and it's it's always changing. Mm-hmm. Um and to see that how it cha- how, how it has changed over time. And it's it's when you you did describe um Monbo Mode's house and you mentioned how there were like uh barrels was it with dresses yeah in them. Was, that's yeah. interesting um but like it was yeah. it seemed it seemed very colorful that was yeah like, for some reason yes. that was my takeaway um and the other thing well I have two questions because I did mm-hmm. you know read that when you said she's a mental health clinician I was like how. Like, that's very interesting as a combination, um, you know, d- that along mm-hmm. with um, being being a practitioner, but also um, just to give some context, it's not like this woman is rich because you mentioned, like, you know, she's not wearing the same dress twice. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, that's the type of life. <laughs> so yeah. she's not wearing the yeah. same dress twice. And when yeah. you were also speaking about how this is a, this is a space of feeling of really being in, in your body. You bring that out in the book when you're talking about, you know, when she goes to the fabric stores and she's feeling on the fabrics and on the lace. Oh. And I have followed my mom countless times because oh. I had as a woman of <laughs> you had to go to the fabric store and learn how, like all the different fabrics and the laces and the cottons. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's very interesting. So can you, I guess, tell us a little bit more about how she combines, is it two different worlds that she combines that collides in these spaces, um, like the mental health clinician aspect? Um, and also, how was it to just watch her do this work? Because she's, these are like active things, like she's sewing, yes. she's, um, creating, like she, it's, it's creation. And this yes. creation is knowledge production. Yes. Yes, I, I, I mean, you just did the, a lot of the work for me about talking about the whole book. I mean, you, you could tell that you really dove right into it. I'm, I'm so excited that we get a chance to talk about this. Um, but one thing I want to make sure we, we bring up is like the barrels. Mama Mode has called her clothing, um, her archive, and she has been practicing mm-hmm. Haitian Vodou um, for over twenty five, twenty eight years. That means near thirty years now. Um, and and just like you said, she has none of her dresses are the same. And when and especially when the spirits have told her to like wear to like show up and show off her dresses. Um, when it comes to her ceremonies and the ceremonies that happen in both Boston and Jacques Mel, she um, never wears the same dresses for each, each, each of the ceremonies. Now, if you have if you've done um, practice practitioner Vodou, you're never wearing those same uh, dresses. You have a, at least 10 different ceremonies per year. That's a lot mm-hmm. of freaking dresses that you have. So when we talk about the barrels that she has, it's like, imagine like she has a room and then there's, there's barrels that are inside her room and then that, that bleed outside her, outside her room. Mm-hmm. And I can, that's not what is so beautiful and brilliant about um, Mambo mode is that I could pick up any dress. Just like a dig deep into the barrel and pick up any dress. And I could say, Mama, what dress, what, what year was this dress and who was this ceremony for, from? And she's like, oh, 
Zaku, this dress was from uh, uh, 2005. It was for a Dambala ceremony. And Dambala is the spirit of um, wisdom and the serpent spirit, um, um, a spirit from, from Benin. And, and she's like, yeah, that, that dress is from 2005. I didn't really like this dress and it didn't really please me, but you know, the spirits liked it. So this was okay. And then mm-hmm. I'll go back into the barrel, mix up some more, so I'll pick up <laughs> another dress. And I said, Mama Mode, what dress is this? And she's like, ah, oh, this is for the spirit Kuzenazaka. And Kuzenazaka is from, is the spirit of ag- agriculture. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, yeah, this, this dress is from 1998. And I really love this dress. I love the way I did this fabric here. And I love the way I, I had the, the, the lace that came out and popped. And again, I, I'm like, and then again, the reason you know this, cause you can go to some of her pictures and sure enough, 1998, 2000, 2009, those are the, those are the dresses. So again, mm-hmm. she not only stores a number of her knowledges that are, that are in, in, in her brain, but then she, she remembers, but again, these dresses tell a story about the change over time of her fashion decisions that she's made, as well as the influences about, from the divine herself, as well as the, the, the seamstress that, that, that she, that helps her um, make the dresses. At, and of course, her own daughter that has now inspired her. Uh, and I, let me not forget that the community also inspires her. Like, Mama Mo, you should think about this. You know, people, there's a number of people that are coming all together. But yes, is another um, question that I really enjoyed is that you're thinking about her jobs and how her profession and, and again, I want to say profession, the profession of being a Vodou um, practitioner, because that's a profession, and then being a mental health clinician, clinician and a fashion designer. And she also has a degree in economics. And this comes in for labor and managing money. Um, oh, they all wow. ins- inspire her. And so... I would not use the word um, c- combine. Well, not combine, but I would say this as like it that this that this interlaps or it's like it, yeah. it weaves together. Converge. Um, to can you yeah, con- oh converging? I like that. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> Conver- it converges together. Yeah. Um, and I like that word because I wanted to say like these things move with each other. There's things at times that she brings something out, mm-hmm. and then there's times that she has to move things away. And um, for Vodou, a, a religion that is about healing and um, understanding and thinking about the uh, thinking about the self and thinking about the soul and the in the community and love, there's times where when she's thinking about healing and people are asking for help, where she was and she was saying, there's times I had to use um, the Lawa or the spirits for guidance, and then there's times that the spirits don't need to be here, where it's actually my her you know for her, her my training as a mental health clinician that can step in out and she'll say either you know uh you need more therapy um to help think about um you know your your parents role about your other self so this is not just a, a spiritual issue this is a this is a mental health issue so she can mm. did, um think about both both things at the same time um, and I think that's really wonderful because again, sometimes when we think about practitioners and people that practice African diasporic religious traditions, we think that some, um, that they are just somewhere in the, in the, in the dark, um, going, they're not, they're not working and they, and they only pr- practice Vodou. And again, I want to make sure I say this, that there are people like that. And then there's mm-hmm. people that have nine to five jobs. Um, mm-hmm. and so when my book is trying to also, um, uh, illuminate is to, is to showcase that that there are people that have 
that have jobs and some of their jobs and the things that they are passionate about have inspired their ways of connecting with the, with the divine. Um, be that if they are scientists or again, like from my case, fashion designers or construction workers, um, there's ways that you put in parts of yourself into the, your understanding of the, of the religion and the gods love it and they take it all and it becomes um, a part of the Vodou uh, understanding of how you see, see the world and what, what parts of Vodou gets to be highlighted. Uh, and again, for this book, in this case, it's, it's fashion. But again, I want to, I loved how you talked about the way that you saw um, um, your mom uh, going to the fabric store and that process. Oh and Fatima, let me tell you. So that's yeah. like the background of my childhood. That's was, you know, you want to spend time. It's either it was the kitchen. I mean, she, you know, she sat down and she needed rest. But when she was up, it was the kitchen. It was like how to be out and about in the world. She had really good intuition. She so it's um. Ooh. But when it comes to the fabrics, she just I don't know. My mom knows how to pick a fabric for somebody, and they always mm-hmm. like. How I, I don't, you know, and it's different. And I'm the type of person like take that, you know, and just cut it for the for all thirty of them. Um, but she can pick, like, out of all, she'll see everything on the wall, and she can pick which one would be good for the summertime, for the winter time. Um, so, like if a if like an elderly who may have like skin I don't know. She's it's very fascinating. So when you brought and you have that picture up in the book, which I really like because you can see um like Mambo Mo just invested, <laughs> like really just secluded yeah. in this world of fabrics. Um but yeah I'm just curious to know more. Yeah. So part of my um my my work and my skill set, not only am I a scholar of gender sexuality and Africana religions. But I also have a focus on the role of material culture in, in um, African diaspora religions. And so I care about the stuff, the things that people use to, to connect with the divine and connect with the rest of the community. Um, so for Mambo Mode, when I talk about that these dresses are multi- multi-sensorial processy, I'm saying that Mambo Mode, when she thinks about these fabrics, she is, she's not only, it's like re- thinking about the senses. She's, she's touching, tasting, smelling, hearing, and really taking the whole, the wholeness of the, of the fabrics and how they're going to be used for the divine. And, and, and when I say this too, I want to make sure I bring this up that she's bringing, she is providing us to think about Bodu cosmology that is thinking about the role of dreams. Um, and the way that one, one engages with the spirits. So she will have dreams. Oh, these fabrics prior to the fa- the to the time that she goes to the fabric store, and these uh the the spirits will tell her this is how they want to eat, they want to be dressed, and they'll show her the fabric, and they'll show her the color and the clothes and the cloth, and then she tries to find the clothing that that matches that. So by the time she hits the ceremony, this has been already blessed by the divine. Um, and, um, uh, I talk about how she's created a network of people that can help her. So imagine prior to like before in the 1990s, when she was just taken off, she had, um, she was doing these dresses herself and find the fabrics and doing the self herself. But now after over 20 years and having a number of, uh, you know, over 20 to 30 people, sometimes 50 people have the same outfits. For the for these for these uh, certain ceremonies, 
you there's times that she can't do it by all by herself. So she has seamstress seamstresses um, that make these these outfits. And then not only these seamstresses that make the outfits, but she goes to um, a clothing store that's in that's in Boston as well as in Haiti. But the one I'm thinking about right now is in Boston, where she talks to a woman that actually that that she's worked with her for over 20 years. And this woman now gets to know, like, okay, I like she anticipates what type of clothes Mumble Mode will like. Uh, what, when I say clothes, I mean the fabrics that Mumble Mode will like. So imagine you now are there's ways in which people are working with you. You have a team to help um, sh- uh, pr- um, get ready for uh, the Vodou ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And it's just not you, just like that has to do the cooking, that has to do the preparation of altars, like. You have a whole team. And so in terms of the fashion, Mamba Mode has a network and has a team of, of people that help her not only think about the fabrics, from the divine to the the the, the, the fabric designers, um, and then also thinking about the fabric, um, the, uh, the, the fabric store owner that is able to pick, purchase, pick up the fabric for her and help her think alongside and say, like, do you think this would be a good clothing? Do you like this? Um, and I think that's pretty cool to think about, like, you're not alone in this process. Um, and, um, but yeah, that there's, that is, it's, there's multiple layers to how you're, um, understanding the spirit and there's multiple layers of how in order to achieve the, a Bodu, uh, Bodu ceremony, you need to make sure you have, um, help in so many different ways. And then having the help in terms of the people who are helping make this happen. So you have three different, well, you described, you talked about three different categories. You have the audience who are just observing, um, and then you have the practitioners, and then you have the initiates. So, you know, the difference between the initiates, is that how you would call them? Oh, you're talking about like, oh, you're talking about the ways that I um, define initiates, practitioner, the Mm -hmm. audience. As well, the spirits, yes, yes, yeah. Um, and yeah. in that, I was very curious to know how because you centered the community members as you know, like mm-hmm. the the interaction and the engagement is very important. I definitely want to attend one. I think this would be very, <laughs> um, I don't, I, it would be very like enlightening. Let's put it that way. And also, I just want to say thank you for you're very explicit in the book in regards to. Um, where you stand, how you're viewed, um, what you have privileges to because of your background and how, so you make it very clear. Um, but you also make it very clear to what lengths you are not going to go <laughs> as exactly. a scholar and as a researcher out of respect. Exactly. Um, and I think that's really important to articulate to say, with all due respect to the ivory tower and academia, <laughs> we can't do things. Yeah. Uh, infiltrate into things just for the sake of research and exposing you still have to be respectful exactly so i mean you could you could have definitely exploited that but you didn't so that's something for someone like me like a young scholar just like learning from um and whatever like your moral compass shifts like this this is a good reminder (laughs) yeah i think this is and again i'm gonna go back to the this I know I'm going to go back to the spirits, the audience, and the, and the initiates because I love. Thank you so much for letting me talk more about like the definitions about who I'm, who's involved in the mm-hmm. ceremonies, why they're why it's important for me to like uh, think about the different people. But 
I want to just draw back to the fact that you caught this about, about me, about the ways in which I am explicit about who I am and how I'm, I'm like, I'm even moving this in the space. And when I say that this is enough, like, and for me, it was important to say that I'm not initiated. Now, there are scholars who are initiated in, in, and they have gone through the initiatory practice because that's what, that's what moves them and that's what compels them to do that, to do the work. And, and, and that's fine. But for me, who is, who is Nigerian and a and Nigerian American and um, is a lover, I always call myself a polyamorous lover of all the divine uh, of, and, and all the, 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 the spirits. But beyond just myself as a scholar, I want to make sure that when we think about studying African diasporic religions, it's important to know that you do not have to be initiated in this religious tradition. Mm. Uh, because there's, there's, and I've noticed this, and this, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a way that people read me coming into studying Haitian Vodou. They're like, oh, because you're black and you're a woman, that's why you're able to understand Vodou. And I'm like, it's very, it's a very insulting thing mm. to say because it, it takes away the time, the labor, the ways that people, there are people that don't like me, the things, the times I messed up. Um, and to say that, um, that there's a certain type of ease that I have. And, and, and again, that is just so disrespectful. And it's, a, and it's another way of thinking about how black scholars can't study black people, but yet white, when it comes to white scholars, then all of a sudden they become objective and there's a way that they're going to know something that's more different. And I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's actually more than false. Like more than false. And there's nothing, and everyone, there's nothing objective about anything. Mm. We come in with our own biases and our own understandings. And it's our job as scholars to try to take the time to go and to understand and to process, understand what the community is talking about. Anybody that studies that's, that's doing ethnography and qualitative analysis, they have to make sure that they take the time to understand the, the work. And me as a scholar of Africana religions, that's exactly what I'm doing. So one, I have to break down the fact that for my own intellectual engagement, I have to know when enough is enough and not just go into Haitian Vodou and just say, Oh, I, I, I have to know the, 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 the secrets of Vodou, um, so that I can do this scholarship. And I, and I, what I showed, and I think very, very, very well that we can still understand Vodou within its public ceremonies and see the nuances, the beauty, the rigor of Vodou without being initiated. Mm -hmm. um, and but what one needs to have is a sensibility, is a under, an, uh, um, uh, an ethos, an understanding of the community and, and time. And so again, when I, I take pride in saying I've studied these, uh, these Vodou communities and, 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 pe and people that practice Haitian Vodou for over a decade. And I, I've talked about this in my book that the way that people even have, have seen me and, and it started to engage me, that has changed over time. And, it, and, it, and it's changed because of the ways that I was coming in and, and asking questions and I had to change my questions. I had to be mindful about how I was asking questions, not make sure I wasn't disrespectful. Mm -hmm. um, There's a ways in which I was asked, thinking about gender sexuality that I recognized that when it came to being in, in the, the States, that it was a different way that people were able to engage in me. But in Haiti, People are like, how are you gonna ask me all about my business? Like, mm -hmm. this is not how you're supposed to do it. And I had and I had to catch that. 
So that is a skill that is that is understanding people and 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 spe- uh, not spirits, but but the but the sense and self, um, and noticing that you have to move. And I talked about that. So um, I think it's I think again, I for Black feminist ethnographers, part of my work is to show the ethics of care. Um, and what does, and what care means to me is to be mindful about the ways I'm asking questions, mindful about the involvement that I'm, that I'm in to, to understand that, um, when someone says no, or they're, and, or they're angry, I try to break down what that, that means. Um, and to get, to have some boundaries about, about Vodou and know that the people will tell me what they, what needs to be known. Um, and that's enough. You know, um, and again, that's why I loved about the fact that I've said I've been here for over a decade. Like I've seen Vodou manifest itself in, in many ways, but there's still a language or a language about the way that people are still practicing the, 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 the tradition that still maintains itself. Um, mm. And so this is something I'm, I'm, I'm very mindful of. So thank you for saying that. And again, what you've noticed about my work is that when I say I study, think about when I'm thinking about public ceremonies, I want to make sure I was clear about what I mean by initiate. Um, someone that who has um, gone o- has gone over um, uh, rituals, the initiatory processes to be a practitioner, but in a in a much more um, uh, uh, ritualized consent consented consented way versus a practitioner who practices the tradition. And may may not have have gone through some of the initiatory processes, but they mm-hmm. still practices the, the religious tradition. And then think about the audience member. Um, and again, it's, and it, it's not to say that they are not practitioners, but to say that these are different. Those are different from Mama Mold's home to showcase that they are witnesses of the of the home, and to think about um, the role of the spirits um, and how they play. That this is this is the the divinities, um, the the unseen. Um, and how they speak to the, the people. And so part of my ethics of care is also understanding that um, there, are, there are times where scholars will try to explain away the divine. And it was mm-hmm. important for me to say that the divine is real, that I'm not going to say to create some ontological, you know, like people just make up these words to like uh, trying to explain, un- uh, explain the way the, the divine and that renders the divine useless. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to do that, and I and I and I've seen those books before, um, and so this is not the way that I wanted to approach this. That when someone says, "Oh, the spirit spoke to me," I'll say, "Well, what did they say? What 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 happened?" And when I did that, Fatima, you have to understand, like it was it was so cool because again, when we, again, we're talking about an Africana approach. When someone says that the black god spoke to spoke to them, and I respond, "What did they say?" The world opened up, and then what what um, manifested from that world is understanding how people are engaging with the spirits to inspire them to help make set, provide meaning of the world, and people are are you are doing beautiful things um, that the, that the divine are helping them to make sense of to make sense of themselves and the world, um, and I think that's so important. I think that's that's really great to know that like uh, people are trying to figure out how to care for their elders how to get better jobs, um, how to deal with a troubled cousin, um, how to deal with illness. Like that's, that's what happened versus, oh, you know, 
this is not these divinities are not really real is this what the how the community thinks of the divine i was like really you're we're missing out on so many things so again what i'm also trying to showcase how to do africana religions how to and how to how to do this well um without uh explain away um uh, these religious manifestations that hold so much truth and life for for the people that practice their religion their religion yeah that that definitely spoke um in the sense that you describe the ceremonies in a way where you're like something is happening here and that something is <laughs> no it's like i read like like there's like it's like there's something you know it's um I'm rubbing yeah. my fingers together as if like the microphone can pick this up. Um, but it's a sort of like practice of survival, a practice of being. Um, but I really like yeah. how you mentioned this, this theory of not explaining the divinity away. And I think maybe that's yeah. one reason that like moved me away from when I first came to the States. And I, th- I think I saw that like as a thing you can study and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is going to like take me out of everything. Like it's going to dull it down. It's going to make it sound like a brochure. Um, <laughs> and that's not what I mean. like, this is something you feel. Yeah. Something, um, some things you can't, you can't put, words won't do some of it justice. So yeah. you have to, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it takes work to find a way to put, to find a, like a, like you said, like a langage for it. Um, yeah. And to do that, you have to interact with community members. And to that, I was thinking, how was it being with the community members themselves, like within the mm-hmm. audience? And mm-hmm. how were they engaging with, like, within these ceremonies? But also another thing that popped up, and I, you know, you can probably combine this into one, but how was it so you speak about the queerness and the communities and you you do talk about like the contradictions um within these black communities and also the complex it is for example there is a there's a moment i'm thinking about where you're saying how a, a male practitioner or a male presenting practitioner may feel uncomfortable if he is to be um if he has to represent as a in a female spirit and i'm like oh how does that like what happens there and then you show us mm-hmm. another instance where uh, mambo mode is dressed as the spirit of Gideon. you know she has on well at that point he has on like this hat mm-hmm. uh the powder the stick the tie um you know going around flirting with women and i was like wow that's there's like this sort of fluidity there where some are accepting and some are not accepting in this space um so can you tell us like a little about that Oh my goodness. You have like five questions in one and let me do my best to answer the question, but no, 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 (laughs) it's it's very clear. It's very clear that you have engaged the book so well that again, I, it's, I, I know one of your last questions is thinking about like, um, what do you want the audience to get, uh, or not the audience, what do you want readers to get? And it's this, it's this moment. It's like the way that you are thinking alongside me, you're able to like be immersed in in the book uh, and in the world of Vodou. Uh, so I don't think that, and I hope not. I hope that I can still smile at the ways that you have engaged this work. And I hope that even after 10, 15, 20 years, 
that I will still be smiling as <laughs> when someone asks about this book because this this ish is pretty awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I think that um, well, you know when you write when you, you thanks to you yeah you know. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. You know, when you write this work, and sometimes you're like, oh, God, like, this shit is a lot. Because, um, uh, you know, you're thinking about theory, you're making sure that it's rigorous, but you're also trying to make sure that it's clear and you understand the, the stakes. The stakes are high. About understanding voodoo, that's not, that's, that's not just, oh, it's, an, it's a stigmatized religion. Uh, it's, 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 it's black. It's, it's devil worship. I'm like, like, you know, like, people are poo-pooing vo- voodoo. And I'm like, you are missing out on some of the most gla- like glamorous, beautiful religious traditions. And I felt your pain. Like you were, you. There were moments in the book where you were going off, and I was like, go on. Uh, <laughs> and how you were just, you know, they were just like, I hear the same in Senegal sometimes by from different, you know, I guess outsiders. And how, how, why would you spend your money, you know, improper spending on, you know, these ceremonies or on um, the rituals and and you're just like this is we don't say that about Roman Catholicism and how you know however grand that is and I was like that is very true like we look at it and exactly. it's like that's the norm um, the way the Vatican goes about its things that's norm but then when third world countries are going about their like their practice of survivals this is their whole being. Um, it's like that's a that's an improper way for you guys to spend your money. Um, exactly. And I'm, so you you make a you make a very good point, and I was like, yeah, yeah. There's something happens when black people have wealth, when black people have money, when black people choose to laugh and to have joy and to enjoy the things that they like. There's something that I've noticed that people become anti-black about. Um, uh, when black people have and like nice things and I'm like your racism is showing you know <laughs> uh, it's just just you know, it, 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 it showcase and again um or like and I still and I want to make sure I say this this is not only just from um I'm noticing from white scholars but then also some some black scholars as well um and that sometimes hurt because I'm like your prejudice is showing the way that you're that you're thinking about black people what, what black people can like and what, what black people can have access to I'm like why don't you think black people can, can like nice things? And again, I sometimes, you know, I, I'm always moving between pop culture and my scholarship. I always think about like when Beyonce and, and Jay-Z, they get money. It's now all of a sudden they sold and sold to the devil. It's Illuminati. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. like Jeff Bezos, like he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't cut. Like he was he didn't, he didn't like he had the same cut deal. his hand and do, do, do the same deal. There it is. Do the same deal. He didn't do that. Um, Elon Musk, like he wasn't selling his soul, he wasn't chatting up with the devil. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's something, there's something happening to mm-hmm. black people when black people like move into a space. It just, it just, it just not right. And I, I find that very interesting. Um, but let me let's go, let's go back to some of the questions that you asked. Um, um, and oh, and last thing, thank you so much for catching just some of my frustrations of thinking about the ways that people have thought about Africana studies and Africana, Africana religions in general. And I think to myself, that's why I love, again, I love the, the fact that in terms of my positionality, I say thank you. My way of honoring the people before me is by saying thank you for the work that, you're do- that you've done to dispel 
how people have thought about these black religious traditions. And mm-hmm. this book is doing what this book does is to say how to do it, how to do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to do it well that I'm not, I'm not spending a whole chapter to, to break down mm-hmm. all the nonsense that's out there. There's people that have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they, and they've done that, wor- that work re- well. Go read Al Rabito. Go read Claudine Michelle's work. Go read Patrick Belgard Smith's work. They, they did that. And I thank them. So again, I'm like, my job is not to do that. My job is to say, now look how Vodou is, is looking in the, in the modern communities and the modern world. And look how it's a part of the world religion. Um, and how, here's how people are not just surviving, but they're not, and, and not just thriving. They're living. Mm-hmm. They're living. This is life. So yep. this is life. Mm-hmm. This is, you've got to stop. <laughs> You're giving me all the language. They're, they're just, this is life. And life has highs, lows, good, bad, messiness um, in, into it. And, and it just is. So my job was to showcase the is, um, what people are doing, you know? So, but you asked this beautiful question about what is it like to be here with the community and the audience? And I must say to you, um, I have gotten a lot of, I've been through some highs and lows, Fatima, with the, with 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 being around the people, and I think this is why I talk about like the rigor, because there is um, an understanding that I had to do in terms of improving my language, improving my time, making sure that I'm mindful of the ways that I'm being in, in the space, um, and understanding that just because you say you're going to study this the space doesn't mean that people are going to like you. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I've been to like, you know, being Nigerian and um, being called a- like African booty scratcher. And, and, you know, people were calling me like, like very anti-black, na- anti-black things. And so I know what it's like to not be liked. So I got mm-hmm. that. Um, but I think to myself about like, if you are like, say you're having a squad, uh, 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 I always think about brunch. Do you go to brunch? Like this, I feel like you know I'm at this age where like you know, like the I black know, girl brunchy group. I, I know it. I live in DC where it's apparently the most brunchy place, but I've only been to brunch twice in five years. It's I brunch at home okay. in a very bland way. Like I I want to. Oh okay, sprint. so you use breakfast? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's maybe I got <laughs> okay. that like growing up where my mom she would wake up late and we would spread the whole table with all the foods. But um, yeah, so. It, you just you just helped me discover why I don't brunch outside because when I want to lay I want to lay on the couch when I'm done I don't want to be out well, there walking. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, like I'm at that age where like brunching is like what you do. It's what you do on the Friday or Saturday. It's like it is. It can last from ten to three p.m. and it's a, it's it's a it's a season. But imagine you brunching with your homegirls mm. and someone else walks in and just decides to sit on the table. And you're like, you're like, who the, who is this? Who the heck is this person? Why, why should we just invite them to our table? And so I want people also to know that like this, for me to be in this community, this, this, this took time. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't like, oh, you're black. You can just be here. Like, no, I mean, there's a number of people in our black community that we don't like, you know, <laughs> like, that like, <laughs> like not all, uh, not all skin folks are kin folks. So mm-hmm. there was work that I had to do to like showcase that, no, I'm serious. And the seriousness shows by by being staying with the people, being with the people, asking them questions, being mindful, considerate, helping, um, um, and um, 
for for in the case for Mama Motom is to be to recognize how serious dressing up was. So here's also something that happened. I think you 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 caught this in the book. I talk about my experience of getting getting ready with the with the with the women. So like I was able to get, wear the dresses with the women, but imagine Fatima because again I'm a blippy black hippie. I used to get ready in 15 minutes. I showered. I'm ready clean. Okay, just put the dress on and go. And I remember how I was really just ready and just waiting for everyone to be done. And I didn't recognize when I, when I finally turned back around, I was starting to recognize, I'm like, yo, this is actually taking way more time for folks than I'm giving. They are pressing the dress. Not my dress be all wrinkled and shit. Like they're pressing the dress. They, they, they're making sure their hair is curled. They're making sure their makeup is on point. Um, the, and this is for the women and the men, they're, they're, they're like, their guy friends are etching like d- designs and patterns. They're making sure their hair is, is shaven. Like if you have locks, you make sure your locks are retwisted unless you're going for like my look, which is like, again, a boopy look, but you make sure your head wrap is on tight, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I was with the community, community, I recognized that part of my work was to understand, is, is to recognize that I had to take better time for getting ready. And I noticed that when I put more effort into getting ready with the, with the community, the community was like, Oh, Zaku, Oh, Bill, you're beautiful. And I see you. Like I see you. And I like that because and I noticed that when I started showing up and dressing and, 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 and being, being putting more effort in my, in my clothing and my sartorial design, then people were like, okay, Zaku, I see that you're doing this. Let's, let's talk. And then they'll mm-hmm. tell me more things about what, what's happening with the, with the, with the religious tradition, how they were feeling, how they were really feeling about mm-hmm. like some, some people. Um, and, uh, oh, this is something I want to make sure. Oh, go ahead. What are you going to say? Oh, no. I, I was oh. going to write down that I just love that, that I see you because it's, it just reminds me how different black communities have that I see you in different ways. Um, like, you know, like we, there's, there's something there. Like it's, um, you talk about in your book, like the sacred gaze, like how the gaze is like knowledge production. And I was like that, I had to sit with that for some days. Cause I was like the sacred yeah. gaze, you know, but that, that showing up well, that I see you, um, that mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a sort of recognition there. That's, it means so much just like that look in those words, but I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Again, I, I, um, I'm glad that. Yeah. Again, I, I just, I just recognize that that was part of the work. There was something else I was going to say about ethics and care. Oh, oh, oh. I want to make sure I, I, I acknowledge this too about like when we talk about like my own ethics is that when I was interviewing folks, um, there were people that wanted to share with me their names, and there's people that didn't want to share with me their names. And so I, I asked if, if I can use a pseudonym. So I had to have like my own structure of like what people would allow me to share. Um, so again, the names, not the, the names, whether I could tell the, the, tell the story, not tell the story. Uh, these are all types of boundaries and ethics. Like there are some stories, Fatima, when I tell you I, this, it would have just taken the book and just ruptured it. Mm. Um and and they said, Zaku, I don't want you to share the story. It's just for you to know, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I had to go, dang, and then go, okay. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I rather have them trust me 
and know that whatever they said for me to share, they know that's going to be there and not, and what is not to share that, that it stays in the vault, but it stays. But what mm-hmm. it did was not only that I established trust, but I also showed, showed that like, I had to say to myself that what's meant for people to know is meant to be known. And mm-hmm. also, but when they were sharing me these stories, it did provide me context about the ways in which I was arguing and discussing and elaborate some of the, the major um, um, arguments in, in the book. So sometimes these stories, although very, I mean, Fatima, like it was just so profound. And I was like, wow. But when they said no, like I was like, okay. And then I had to ask like, hey, you said no. Can I summarize the story? No. Okay, I can't summarize it. Can I, can I, like, what can I do? And then they'll say, well, you can bring up someone else said this, or not, I'm gonna say someone else. Why not? Sorry, not someone else. Um, not someone else, but like, either they'll say, don't put my name in it. Um, and you can summarize it, or I just really just want you to know that this is out there. Mm. Does that make sense? So, so again, not, uh, not use someone else's name. It informs your process while you're writing. There it is. Because while you're writing, you're just like, actually, no, I need, I need to find a way to reward it. And this makes me think of Christina, Christina Sharp's in the wake, uh, when Mm -hmm. she calls for really us at this point, (laughs) like everyone who's Mm -hmm. currently, maybe we need to find new methodologies when we were doing our research. Um, and this, for me, this is kind of it. This is the call of, what do we know that we share and what do we know that even though we, as bad as we want to put it out there, we mm-hmm. have to respect um, indigenous people's um, communities, their knowledge. We have to, we have to respect that, especially if they trust you. Um, exactly. It's, you have to respect that. You can't put it out there for um, academic clout. I don't know if that's a word, but <laughs> you know, that like yeah, that. Yeah. That thing. yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. And there it is. And you got that. And again, I want to make sure I'm clear that um, when I say someone else's name, I mean like like use another name like, like as a pseudonym mm-hmm. so because they didn't want to have their name. That's what I meant, meant by that. And um, again, knowing when to, to share it and not. And again, I love how you talked about the fact that this is... Um, it's again, it provides context and, and, I, and, and that's what happened. And so again, I, I, for me, I rather have someone trust me than to, than to show, to, to showcase something and then lose the, lose the trust of the community member and the community at large, because I'm, I, I had to get this story out. And I, again, this is a, this is when we're talking about boundaries. It's to know that what you have and what you've done is enough. Um, and I feel like there's some there's some scholars that don't know when when it's when they're when it's enough. Um, and let me talk about the audience real quick. That um, it was cool seeing like having different perspective. Again, I talked about me dressing up and being with the community, and I also think about what it's like to now seeing how Mom Mode has created her own way of. Um, um, doing voodoo that looks different from other um, other ways of doing voodoo, which is like the drummers and the singers dictate the stop the starts and stops of, of voodoo. Um, but for mom mode, her use of clothes of, of fashion um, provides this new break in in, in voodoo voodoo um, uh, performances. 
um, I would be able to watch and, and uh, when there's like this lull in the time of the uh, the ceremony, that's when people are like sitting and resting, where people are just waiting. They're like, "What is Mamo's dress going to be like today?" I know she's about to do it, and I'm like, "Yo, there's like there's an anticipation." It's like um, Mama Mo. I keep calling Mama Mo the Beyonce of, of Vodou, but it's like no, Mama Mo is about to show off. And um, I watch people like get up and like they take pictures and they're so excited. And now we get to see people. Mama Mo has like you know um, a, you know ceremonial and community presence, but she also has an online presence. And I watched when I was reading people on YouTube and Instagram when she posted these things on, on Facebook as well. People are so excited. I see more positives than, you know, the negative of Vodou's a sinful and, you know, they're all going to hell. But I people I see people going, I didn't know Vodou could be this beautiful. I didn't know Vodou could mm-hmm. be this glamorous. I was watching the ceremony and I would cry. I didn't know it could be this beautiful. That's dope to me. Um, mm-hmm. That's And that's exciting to see how people are thinking about that she's, that because of her use of fashion, her use of clothing, that there's, the, there's an excitement, there's an anticipation about how mm-hmm. she's dressing, dressing up. Uh, um, so that's, that's something else I wanted to bring up and queerness. I'm so glad that you asked about queerness. <laughs> I love that you asked about the queer queerness because in, um, African diaspora religions, there's this newer term and that's coming out about talking about how African diaspora religions is a, is a queer religion. And as someone that is a queer person, um, I vehemently get very upset about this. And and this is this now branches out about how you think about queerness and queer studies. And I think that there's a number of scholars that'll say, you know, queering this and you know they'll queer and think queering um the bathroom. Queering when I say the bathroom, I'm I mean bathroom, I'm just talking about bathroom, I'm not talking about Yeah, it's it's uh, funny because I was uh, I just spoke about this last week to a colleague and I, I was like, So what is the difference when we start? It was just a genuine question and what I'm I was reading yeah. something and then they just threw in like queer and I was like, Whoa, wait a minute, isn't this like, are we, what are we doing here? Because this was not the origin, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, that's I, not the original, I, yeah. I started, yeah. How do I say, I'm glad you, you brought it up that way because I, I know there was even a moment in time where I thought something. I was like, well, maybe like queer African feminism. And I was like, what does that even mean? And I just stopped right there because I didn't, you know, I, was, I wasn't sure what came out of my mouth and what I was meaning by that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, but I think it, it would be good to uh, distinguish or just make sure we where we apply these words. Um, but sorry for interrupting. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I again, I'm, I'm like again. I want to make sure because I, I don't want to just misspeak and then you know if the, if the video comes out, they're like, "It's often against queer in bathrooms." No, what I'm talking <laughs> about is is like <laughs> the inside of the bathroom, like. People are like queer in the kitchen. Like, I'm like, what the, what do you mean? You're just making yeah. up, you're just saying stuff. And, and so I'm very mindful about it. And for my understanding of queerness is also, is really thinking about the people because sometimes we're, we're using this word to think about um, difference and othering. Mm-hmm. But we're also not thinking about the lived realities of people and the safety of people um, and how they're, they're, that there are people that are, that are still living in fear um, and not safe in these, in these spaces, or if they're living, you know, we can think about the dynamic ways they're living and the uniqueness of their living as, as beings and, and recognize that that is, that there's there, that we can understand that 
Um, but we're not queering for the, for the sake of queering. And I feel like, um, and also understand that the term queer is, uh, is still a very Western um, mm. uh, uh, naming of um, the ways that um, the uh, people that are assigned um, women, uh, how to think about like um, men sleeping with men, women sleeping with, uh, women, sleeping with women, um, and how we think about w- uh, womanhood. Is, mm-hmm. These are still Westernized understandings. But again, the reason why I still use I use queer and I use gay and I use lesbian is also because I, I recognize that the word choices I'm using that the people in Haiti and and the Haitian diaspora and, and the members of the community are using these terms. So I'm mindful of that. And again, if they weren't using that or they were saying, you know, I don't identify as queer, I I, I, I say they say I'm Madiveness or I'm Masisi. This is Madiveness is for lesbians and Masisi is, is gay. Um, or they'll say I'm not even I'm not queer, but I am a man that, that loves men. I use, mm-hmm. I would use those terms. So I'm mindful about the word choices that I'm using. Um, um, and again, I think that it's important to say like why you're saying queer, what does it mean to say queer? And also, are you being, are you considering the people? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the Vodou, uh, Haitian Vodou, I've seen there's a number of scholars that would say like, you know, Haitian Vodou is a queer religion. And I'm like, no, like, no, I you can't, you can't say that when homophobia still exists in the United mm-hmm. States and it still exists in Haiti. You can't say that when people are still fearful of being in these in these communities and um, people have to find safety in other voodoo communities. Mm-hmm. So until the, the safety is, is, is there where queer people can be their full selves and there's many voodoo, community, voodoo communities where people can go to to do that. Then I can call it queer, but until then, it has queer inhabitants. Mm-hmm. It has queer, queer, um, queer, queer people. I even argue in my, my one of my um, major arguments. I say the spirits are queer because they are open. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there is different manifestations of, of, of different divinities where they are immensely women, uh, women loving women, transgender, uh, intersex, uh, and they don't, and they truly do not care. Uh, about uh, about the the many best uh, ways of being a human being, they care about um, the self and they honor all. Mm-hmm. So in so within the pantheon, they're queer, and that's I call I call them queer. Mm-hmm. But to say that the Vodou space is queer, no, the spirits are not homophobic. The people are, and I mm-hmm. make that distinction. Um, but very adamant about, about, about that because, um, the spirits have to protect, um, uh, trans people. They have to protect queer people. People mm-hmm. are praying for protection. They're praying for safety. Um, they're protecting women. They're protecting children. Um, and, and again, um, and they're protecting the vulnerable. So I, I'm very, I'm very adamant about, about who I'm saying is, uh, is queer and, um, and what the importance of saying that. Um, so that's, 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 that's one of my things that I'm mindful of in the ways I'm talking about that and the language I'm using mm-hmm. to say that. Um, and yes, I think that, um, there are bigger arguments about, uh, I'm so glad you caught that about, um, the ideas of the, of what, of the bio, biology of male and biology of female. And again, when I make it a, a point to talk about like 
how Vodou, because of the people in, in Vodou, um, there is a way that um, femininity and masculinity get written into Vodou. Mm. Um, so much so that the people who practice the tradition, um, um, when it comes to getting taken over by spirits, there's, there's, if you are a gendered body, like a gendered person, um, again, this, these, these are socialized gender constructions that have real um, meaning and power in how you present yourself. Um, there is a way that people are getting viewed and read um, that uh, for someone that's assigned male at birth, if you are taken over by a, a masculine spirit, no one's going to read anything about it that is like, that is true to your, I'm putting this in air quotes, no one can see this, but air quotes, air quotes true to your nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are um, uh, a cisgender male who's heterosexual and you get taken over by a, a female a female spirit, if the female spirit has aggression, like as, I'm giving an example, like Esli mm-hmm. Danto, um, uh, as a Danto is a female uh, warrior uh, um, um, spirit. That's the, the uh, she's a warrior. She's a protector. She's like she's like rah rah rah. So like when when men get taken over by her, that is seen as acceptable, and and that's great. But if you if you are a cisgendered male heterosexual heterosexual male, and um, you get taken over by a hyper feminist spirit named Esli Freida, and Esli Freida is a spirit of love and, and uh, luxury. And all of a sudden, you start moving your hips a little way. Um, there's people that, that there's people that, that are outside the community. They're like, "How did you just get taken over by this female spirit? Like, umasisi, are you gay?" Mm-hmm. So there's people that are actually too afraid to 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 get taken over the spirit by the by this hyper feminine spirit. And so, my part of my argument is to think about the the socialized gender constructions of of. Um, what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman who can get taken over by a spirit. And what are the, what are the, what does that illuminate? uh, What does that tell us about the ways that gender and gender and sexuality gets gets to be constructed in a public ceremony? And I think this is also helpful to understand that um, when people are saying the queerness, they're thinking about these possession practices, basically what happens when a female female spirit Mm -hmm takes over a male spirit and the fact that you're, you know, your body can, can prepare for these female spirits and male spirits. And there's like, so they bring up that queer, queerness, queering that, that happens. So my argument is, and my, my um, um, understanding of this is also saying, yes, this is a thing that happens, but we also need to understand what happens afterwards. Mm. And we need to think about this, the, about the community, the, how they see these, these, these practitioners, um, uh, and the safety that happens to them, um, that is something that also illuminates, illuminates the, the, about the way that gender and sexuality gets to be viewed as well. So it's, we don't, we shouldn't just stop at what's happening in the, in the ceremony, but we should see that again, this is why I talk about the lived religious practices, what's happened when, when they come out of possession, mm-hmm. how they see them by the community, how the community is, is invited and thinking about them. So this is also something that I'm very mindful, very mindful of. And to be just to just to caution scholars when they talk about African diaspora religions to not um, exceptionalize us that like that that like world religions it still has its own issues and, and things um, that 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 they're still moving and thinking through um, and uh, and and thinking about queerness um, 
and and women's issue is still part still uh, things that are need that needs to be discussed and, and thought of. And so I'm very mindful of that. So sometimes people like to like exceptionalize uh, African diaspora religions, and I'm, and I'm here to go nah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's there's so- rigor and there's scholarships about mm-hmm. that. It's, you said what? I said it's so complex that you know it's yeah. There's just so many intricacies. It's just yeah. This is you have to be able to sustain. <laughs> it's a marathon. I mean, it's a marathon. People who are within the community will see things done differently, um, and exactly. have opposing views. Let alone someone just coming in. But I really like that you you're emphasizing that this requires rigor. Um, yeah, the color of your skin didn't just grant you access <laughs> to no. these spaces. No, what it but what it did was for me to be mindful about mm. who I am, and actually just made me it made me be aware of who I am, and and how I I am moving in and out of the space, and um, and and to know that it still re- it will always require work mm-hmm. that nothing black people do. <laughs> Is like this, and I don't say nothing about people do is it's easy, but it's there's work that's that becomes that comes behind it. Um, mm-hmm. And anyone that thinks that it's not, I, I really believe that it's like you really are saying that black scholars can't study black traditions. And no, and again, I get so mad because I'm like, no one ever says this when someone that's French studies the French, the French, the the, the Renaissance, mm-hmm. or with someone that's German studies studies something that's happening with German history. I never, we never hear this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I like, again, I'm trying to push back on our, about the the scholarship and how people are doing scholarship. And also to invite other uh, scholars that are um, members of the African diaspora, that we need you in in these spaces. We need you in this field to come and think um, with, with um, our, with our complexities and our complex thoughts and, and and to and to come out and have and be there's and because now we're seeing a growing number of scholars mm-hmm. finally finally being able to like showcase some of the some of these African diaspora religions we're like it's 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 growing it's but Fatima it's like it's moving <laughs> I'm like yeah it, it's exciting mm-hmm. so I'm I'm also trying to say like I'm here you can be here too be inspired um, or whatever you do do it well. That we that other people can get inspired, and to move and and to do and to do your work that other people can like go yeah I can do this too and but in this way you know yeah that's uh, yeah that's that's really nice and I think you you answered the question on what you want readers to take away <laughs> oh yeah um, but what did you take away from the process of writing editing I have not written my first book but I heard it does something to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so oh, what were some of the things that have happened or maybe still happening? <laughs> yeah. Fatima, I'm I'm forever changed from this writing uh, writing the book. Um I I think I'm not the same person. I've become more discerning. I've become more vulnerable and um, I noticed that I knew that I couldn't do this alone. And there are different types of scholars that you'll, that you'll meet. And I know for me, there has, an, I would call the African sensibility of thinking about the community is that even though I was, that this is my book, you're going to see as Yakuwa Tomo Culture, 
you saw my acknowledgements. My acknowledgements is huge. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I have been guided by a number of beautiful people that decided to walk with me. And um, some of my friends, I've known them since undergrad, have been, have been working with me. They've been hearing my questions. They've been excited about how I talked about Vodou that still remember me taking the class, the, the, uh, these classes. And because they were in the classes too, and they're like, Eziaku, you're the only one that's still like, <laughs> we took this class like 15 years ago. <laughs> you still here. Because we all became, we were all black studies majors, but you know, like <laughs> I did my shit with, with, uh, with religion. And then my other friend had it with sociology and another friend had it with film. So, but we all took it and ran with it in different ways. And now my other friend is doing it with health. But I w- there was times where I was alone, you know, having to write and, be pro- and process and think. But then I was never lonely because I made sure that uh, I had a thinking partner. I had people that I was showcasing my work to that ha- that thought along with me. Um when pe- when when I was in the community and people were getting taken over by the by the spirits, pe- the spirits were talking to me mm-hmm. and saying, "You need to make sure you talk, you say this." <laughs> um, I had dreams. Um, dreaming was a big part of the way I was even to uh, able to think and explore. Um, um, and um, I made room for all. I made room for all of that. Uh, and I think it's important to know that you if. You should work within your own strengths, and my strength is that I need. I knew I needed a team. That the work of writing this book, the book that you like, you 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 were able to just. Fatima, you're really good. You're able to capture this so well about the the way the, whether you're asking these questions. Um, but this took a lot of labor, and I needed help. I needed help that when I was explaining some of the theories and the thoughts, uh, that someone was like, "Okay, you're talking, but." I'm not in the voodoo ceremony. Break it down so I'm able to understand what you what you what you see. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you didn't get that 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 spirit took over the person, and the person was talking. And you're like, like, nah, you didn't say that. I was like, okay, let me make sure I write this down. So I had a whole squad um, mm. that that really did help me. Um, and this was this was a, a change over time. My thoughts got got that um, got um, clear. And I will say this. Um, when you go on the job market, the job market also sharpens you. So like I've been on the job market for uh, almost now four years now. And I watch how, uh, even though I have a job as an assistant professor, I watch how people and like the, the academia, like when, when, uh, like when I was like, doing applying for religious studies and African-American studies jobs, how they will respond to my work. And there are some, the re- some of the comments and uh, concerns I had to make sure I addressed in the book because they were they were continuously continuous thing. So I was watching how the how the field was thinking about my work and I responded. So I always say like the job market, yes, it's a daunting thing. You want a job, but see this as a, a chance for you to showcase your work and watch how the people are thinking thinking alongside you. Um, so again, it took many hands to to make this book, um, and there was a way that I had to say, okay, I hear all these voices. Now, what am, what am I going to say? What what am I leaning towards? And so, what you see is me listening to to um, junior scholars, people that are, that aren't that aren't even scholars, listening to how uh, listen to the senior senior faculty think about my work, listening to people that are like hairdressers, barbers, and 
um, uh, uh, construction workers, janitors, um, uh, doctors, lawyers, think, think alongside me and asking me, sometimes some people will come and ask these simple questions and I'm like, you know, no other scholar said this shit. Thank you so much. And I'll add that in. Um, so when I think about the black community, I'm thinking about the community. Cause again, I, I will work out. I, I, when I was in Philly, I was working out in a, in a black, um, a black, um, uh, boutique, boutique space. And, uh, when I'll talk about my project and while I'm working out, someone's like, yeah, girl, you know, you be talking about that spirit, but what happened with Esley Freda in this moment? I'm like, <laughs> I didn't bring that up. So it will happen as quick as I did. I'll make sure I try to catch it. Um, and I think again, you, you said this before that this is a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, mm. but it's a, it's a journey. And you learn so much about yourself. You will also lose friends. Two, mm-hmm. there's some people that can walk with you in the beginning and they cannot walk with you. Um, you change. Like for me, I watch how like when I started, my locks have grown. Mm-hmm. I would say like these are, these are wisdom locks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, your body changes. Um, um, I recognize how like we also are not just thinking just thinking entities but we're, we're we we have to be in tune with our senses mm. for me to do yoga to work out to be like to maintain being in these long long ceremonies mm-hmm. that can last between four to 24 hours oh, wow. so me staying in staying in shape was was also something that was very important as well um i had to do I had to, there was there's a lot of things that happen internally and externally when you when you write a book and i think it's important for people to to know that that you're not just going i'm just writing a book mm-hmm. and there's a whole production there's a whole <laughs> team that's involved yeah yeah because you're like I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna write it it's like no like there's no so many people that are checking checking you checking on you uh and then there's a moment you have to go this is what i want um and and also something that we want to make sure i end by saying too is that i like to like you know how you know there's like a in Haiti, in, in Haiti, they, t- they talk about like proverbs and in storytelling, it's like click, crack, like the way you'd like respond to stories and, you know, someone's going to tell a story, but like, I used to, <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, yes. Um, or like a griot. When I listen mm-hmm. to um, elders tell their stories and I say elders, I mean, I listen to like senior scholars and, 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 and people that have written their first book, second book. I used to listen to how they, the things that they wish they would have done. They wish they would have been more um, forceful about their word, their word choices. They wish they would lean into some of the arguments. Mm. Um, they wish they'd have been more um, bold with their claims. Um, or they wish they'd have, they'd have taken their time to explain why the things that they're doing in, the, in their book. Um, and just been more, just, just more discerning about their work. So I was listening to that. And I'm one of the, again, this is the African sensibility about listening to the elders and taking in. And then when it comes to your turn, you go, okay, I listen. Now it is my turn. And here's what I'm going to do. And I, and I did that. I, and, I, and I made sure that if this is the first book that's on, on, on uh, Haitian voodoo and fashion, then this is going to be the book that helps us think about material culture, gender, sexuality, labor. Um, I wanted, I wanted that, that people could to understand and return to this book as a, as a guiding post about how to do African diasporic religions and, or Africana religions correctly. So I, I, when I say that my book is the shit, I mean it because I put in the time, I put in the work, I've gotten vetted. 
Uh, and I'm so proud about the work that I, that I, that I, that I did and, and, I, and what I'm going to do. And I'm, I'm very bold in it, beca- bold in my claims um, because of the fact that when you get pushed like the way I've done and you got trained by the, <laughs> by the scholars that have trained me, you are not the same. So when I like, mm-hmm. and again, I'm Nigerian. So I'm like, I did that shit. I'm so, mm-hmm. I'm so proud of the work that I'm doing, that I've done. And I can look into the mirror and say, I love me. Um, I love what I've done. I love how I honor the people. I love that when I saw something, I was able to talk about it. I love that I had boundaries. I love when someone told me no, I listened and mm-hmm. I understood why that's a no. Um, and then I found other ways to have these conversations of what that no meant and no could it is still a conversation as well. So there's a number of things that I, I gained from this um, that that changed me from the inside out. Um, and that I have, I did not lose my soul, um, mm. by right from writing this book, but what I did actually was gain a, a deeper love of myself and a deeper love of, of black people in, the, in, in Africa and African diaspora. I, I was like, Ooh, I love us. Like, this is cool. <laughs> this is cool. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I've never met, um, Monbo mode before a moment there while you were speaking because I can see you. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, you kind of had a glimpse of her air. Um, that air does come off of the book. Her, what's I don't know what to call it, but there's a that yeah, I'm the shit and I know it. <laughs> and she, and she's just like the you know that the gods told me so. This is it. There's a shamelessness that is. Um, I refuse to be. The, these other, you know, tropes of black women that are demeaning or et cetera. Um, yeah. and she, she, I don't know. It's a, it's a practice that I, I, I appreciate. And it's, um, it showed, and you did the, I read the book. That's what I do. So, <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's all about the words you put together, the, the structure and everything. And it, it shows that you put the effort. So, um, and before yeah. we hit recording, I, was, I know I was telling you that there's um your book kind of reminds me of the African theater that hasn't gone through Hollywood production yet. Like, you know, it's raw, it's unrefined, it's funny. Like it's it's um before they're just like, remove that and remove this and remove that and mm-hmm. polish that and gloss it up. Um, it's real and it's real because it's in dialogue with the community. Um, so thank you yeah. for taking time because I'm, I'm sure that's not easy yeah and i think for me it was it was meant i was me me um i was mindful about access so the wrongness that you're also uh you that you read is me making sure i was taking the time to explain things in detail that i wasn't just using lofty words just to say oh i'm smart I already know I'm smart. Mm. I've done the work. I've gotten trained. Like these people have to pass me. You have you can't you can't just be here and then <laughs> you, you just look around like and say, Oh yeah, I just went to these schools. No, 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 no. But but again, for me being black and woman and a woman, like you just you okay. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother conversation about just the work that we have to do um to show that we are doing this work. But the but for me, there's a level of sophistication when I, that I had to deal with my writing to make sure that it was clear. And I think I, I was um, very inspired. I don't know if you read works, the works of Toni Morrison. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and for me, like the bluest eye mm-hmm. and Song of Solomon and Beloved mm-hmm. are some of the most, to me, the, mo- the, the most iconic works from, from her. This woman, and for her, she was so sophisticated with her words that mm-hmm. even sometimes the, 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 the clearest words has multiple meanings. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. trying in my beautiful way to just, to try to em- emulate that. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, um, you can have sophistication in, in simplicity. And this, and that simplicity doesn't mean that it's less rigorous. It's actually even more rigorous because you're able to scale. And again, Vodou has so much background, history, of cosmology, rules. Mm-hmm. And you still try, I'm trying to make sure I'm breaking this down. So, so ed, anyone that, that's the, from the highest of highest Vodou practitioner, just when I just pick up the book to say, I'm trying to learn Vodou, can able to get, get something from it. That's mm-hmm. a skill, yeah. you know? Um, and, and so I, I, I think about Tony Morrison and I also think about Zorona Hurston and the way mm-hmm. that she, she writes, um, that, you know, that there's a, there's a type of audience that you want to have. So again, I was also writing it for writing this book for a certain type of audience. Again, and it's for those who are interested in Haitian, in Haitian voodoo and to understand that, um, there is a way that I, that because of my uh, self as a, as a queer black woman. And there's also a way that I'm, I'm seeing the world that I'm, I want that to come. I want that to come out as well. Um, and again, we all bring a part of ourselves into the text and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. It just is. Um, and again, no scholarship from sciences, humanities and the social sciences is objective. We're all coming with questions that we are, that we are under trying to understand and we're trying to make sense of, and we're trying to make sense of different communities. So that's the things that I, I try to break break away. So like again, I, I appreciate you you getting excited about the the type of writing and the type of skill set of the writing that I've, that I've, I've done. Um, again, I was, this is this is very mindful and calculated and deliberate about how I was thinking about the audience about the audience and the ways I want to be received. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you yeah. so much. Um, this was, we could probably go on for another hour, but, <laughs> um, this, you know, at this point, just people just read the book. Um, I think, you know, and it's just, um, you know, we can't, it's just going to turn into a sort of audible where we just pick up the book and start reading. <laughs> right? Let's go to chapter but three. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation and for this work being out here. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of um, other people will too. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for the, the wonderful questions and the level of engagement that you have in my reading. Again, um, this is what I'm most excited about. Um, I'm really, really happy. And, and it really makes me understand like the work the tears I shed, <laughs> the hard times. I was like, "Why am I even doing this?" Like, just for these moments, I'm like, "Oh, okay, that, this is why. This is why." So, thank you, thank you. Thank you.